Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. The best pizza in the city, still making a great Royal Pizza. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Uh, Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. It's old school, big boy pizza. Everything is real at Royal Pizza. Visit royalpizza.ca. All right, as promised, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us. He's now with the Athletic out of St. Louis, longtime beat writer for the Blues. He knows that market like nobody else's business. And the Blues were one of the most active teams in the National Hockey League here over the last week. We welcome back Jeremy Rutherford. Jeremy, how are you? Uh, real good, Bob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing the show. Uh, first of all, uh, we had Kyle Brodziak on the show to uh, open up in the first half hour uh, and just talked about what happened during the course of the year because, you know, the Oilers went into St. Louis in November and just got crushed, and St. Louis had the best record in the NHL at that point, and I'm still trying to figure out how the heck they missed the playoffs. So, I mean, you're around this team on a daily basis. What happened to that group? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, first of all, the, the defense uh, was phenomenal the first month or so of the season. Mike was really trying to get them up ice, get them in the play. And, uh, Bob, they had uh, 21 goals, the defense, in the first 21 games. It was like every night uh, one of those guys was jumping up in the play and, and scoring a goal. That fell off the face of the earth. Uh, the defense wasn't, uh, you know, activated. Uh, and uh, there just wasn't a five-man unit that we were seeing early on. Secondly, Jaden Schwartz goes down in early December with a uh, injury. He blocked a shot in Detroit, and he's the the, the straw that uh, stirs the drink. He really is. You can talk about Vladimir Tarasenko, Braden Chen, all those guys, but uh, Schwartz stirs the drink. And when he went down, they they had no offense. And, uh, you know, Jake Allen didn't play well, uh, but Bob, uh, they weren't scoring him any goals whatsoever, and all of a sudden the Blues uh, found them on the outside looking in uh, by one point when it came to, to time to, for the playoff seats. What do you think it did to the emotional tenor of the team two consecutive years? Last year they traded Shaq Kirk at the deadline, and this year they traded Paul Stashney, and they were right in the mix. Yeah, you know, I think from the outside looking in, you say, what the heck is Doug Armstrong doing? Uh, two years ago, they knew Shattenkirk wasn't coming back. They were able to get a first and Zach Sanford in return. They still made the playoffs. 
you know, I think they felt like whether they had Chet and Kirk or not, they weren't going to go very far, and that proved to be the case. They got knocked out in the second round by Nashville. This year, uh, when they decided to trade Paul Stastny, that didn't pop up until a couple days before the trade deadline. Uh, they just had zero offense. They couldn't score with Paul, and they figured, heck, if we're not going to be able to uh, compete, then uh, we might as well get something for him because he was also unlikely to come back. So, again, same situation, got a first-round pick. They get Eric Foley, the prospect, from the Jets, and, uh, of course, they miss the playoffs by a point. So, you know, you can sit here and say, what kind of message does it send your team when you're subtracting instead of adding? But I think Doug Armstrong was being honest with himself and with the team, and it worked out, I think, in his favor. Well, full disclosure, I love Ryan O'Reilly, okay? I think he's a terrific player, and I kind of understand what I think happened in Buffalo because we've been in Buffalo far too much over the last several years for the NHL Combine, and I think I got a bit of a read of that situation in Buffalo and how difficult that has been. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, some might... Like, I, I look at Buffalo, and you kind of look at what's happened in Edmonton and the, the, the changeover in coaching and, uh, the diff- you know, Jack Eichel, who, who's a very good player... Uh, and you watch a little bit of the demeanor of that club, and I'm not surprised that O'Reilly kind of lost a, a little bit of his passion for the game, uh, being in, in, in Buffalo. So I don't. It to me, like if the Oilers had been in position to land him, I would have been personally all for it because I think he's a heck of a player. But you're around that Blues team. What is his addition? And I don't think, by the way, what they gave up was that much. Uh, what do you right. think his addition is going to mean to that hockey club? Well, it's been speculated uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade to St. Louis for a long time uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, you know, I'm not as close to the Buffalo situation, but you, you read what you read, and you heard the comments in the locker clean-out where he said he just kind of lost his passion. I personally didn't mind the comments. To me, what I saw on the YouTube video was a guy who was just frustrated, and he's a competitor, and he wants he wants to win. Um, you know, they haven't delivered in Buffalo with him the past three years, and uh, they're going a different situation direction with uh, Jason Botterill. So they decide that they want to move him, and he's exactly what the St. Louis Blues need. Look, there's only a handful of elite centers in the league, and, and you guys have one of them uh, in Edmonton, certainly the best player in the league. And uh, the Blues don't have one of those guys. They trade for a Braden Shen. He comes in. He, he's terrific. He, he was absolutely great last year more than anybody expected, but he's not Connor McDavid. He's not Sidney Crosby. Um, so what the Blues need to be able to compete in this league is if you don't have one of those guys, uh, get a couple good ones. And so they had a couple good ones with Braden Shen, with Paul Stastny. They moved Stastny. He winds up uh, re-signing with Vegas, and they make the trade for uh, Ryan O'Reilly. So now you got a one-two one, punch there at the top. Uh, he's great uh, on face-offs. We know that. He's, he can help this Blues power play. Great two-way player. Stays out of the penalty box. I think it's a tremendous addition for the Blues. And, and I'm with you that I don't think they gave up a lot. Everybody looks at the package and they say, wow, that's a, but, that's a ton. But, but uh, you got rid of two salaries, Saboka and Berglund. You traded Tage Thompson, who was probably your fourth or fifth best forward prospect in the system, and you gave up a first and a second. So to me, uh, the draft picks are probably what cost you the most there, but I like the trade. Well, the fact they didn't give up Robert Thomas or uh, Jordan Cairo, I, I don't have much of a, a read on Clem uh, Costing at this time, but the other two guys, those, those guys were stellar players in the OHL that have got big upsides. I, I, again, I, I like the deal from the Blues' perspective. And then they also signed a couple other guys. They signed Tyler Bozak, who's a right-shot face-off guy, 56% in the circle, as a third-line center. And they brought back David Perron. Your thought on those uh, two signings? 
Well, yeah, um, let's do it uh, according to the time of day, though. When they signed Tyler Bozak, that was uh, right at the start of free agency, 11 o'clock central, and you thought, okay, well, they can't figure out a trade with Buffalo for Ryan O'Reilly, so they're going to go with Tyler Bozak. And I was already making phone calls to scouts and agents saying, hey, uh, you know, scouts, agents, coaches, do you think this guy – you know, can help the Blues in a pinch on that second line. We know he's a good third-line player, but, you know, he might be asked to play up the lineup a little bit with uh, Braden Shen being the other center. And they said, yeah, you know, not great, but a uh, good he- heads-up player who, who can play a, give you a good third line. And uh, once they signed Ryan O'Reilly, I think it really made the Bozak signing look tremendous because now you push Bozak down to that third line, and, and he's a good player there. Um, so that's how the things played out during the day with that Bozak signing coming in the afternoon. Uh, you know, I think by the end of the night when everybody went to bed, they felt even better about it. Uh, with Perron, that's his third time coming back. Is that insane or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just insane. But uh, I like the move. I do. The one thing you have to keep in mind here is the options. Look, if Van Riemsdyk, you know, Skinner, you know, those types of deals aren't materializing and those guys aren't coming here, what are you left with? The Blues... Uh, from after they lost Schwartz, we talked about that earlier. After they lost Schwartz in early December, they had the worst offense in the league, 31st in terms of goals per game. They need help. So wherever it comes from, if they got to go back to the David Perron, well, again, 66 points last year for Vegas. Uh, you know, I think among their options, it was uh, you know what they had to do. Well, they're going to have the puck a lot because O'Reilly's a 60% face-off guy. Bozak's at 56%. One's a lefty, one's a righty. I'm not sure, Shen is 100% a center yet. You know what I mean? Like, he's bounced right. around a bit, but the other two guys, they're going to have the puck a bit. Uh, Got to ask you, uh, you know, I brought up the name Colton Pareko before, and it's just from the perspective, this is, I've had this conversation with Jerry Johansson. In fact, I did an event with Colton last Thursday night, but I love him. Great kid. I think that, you know, he's playing behind Alex Petrangelo. If he's in a different team where he's the number one power play guy, and he doesn't have to constantly defer in terms of the puck to a guy like Tarasenko who wants to be the shot guy all the time, I think the offensive numbers would spike. But is there a possibility in any way, shape, or form that they could end up moving him knowing that they got that number one horse on the right side in Petrangelo? Yeah, it just seems like, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Preko's name has been brought up a lot this summer. I think it's because of the season he had last year wasn't uh, as good as he had played uh, previously, I wouldn't trade him. I like him. I know the Blues like him. I have a feeling that inside the Blues uh, management walls, they feel like uh, they, they've got to hang on to him, and uh, they know it's in him. Uh, but last year, last last year, Bob, you don't want to say a step back, but last year, I just wasn't as aggressive defensively. Got beat a little bit, and uh, still seems reluctant to to let go of that howitzer that he's got. So. Uh, I think it's going to come. I think he's still a young guy. I think uh, the coaches are going to continue to work with him. Uh, He's such a nice guy. You'd just like to see a little bit of a mean streak. But I talked to Chris Pronger about him a couple years ago, and he said you you can't expect that out of guys that don't have it. Not everybody's going to play like number 44 did for St. Louis and Edmonton, of course. Um, So uh, I think it's too early. To, uh, to move them, even if it's going to get you some offense. I'd like to see the Blues keep the offense they got, uh, see what they can do, and then keep Colton Brakel in a Blues uniform. By the way, the fact that uh, Perron got signed, does that mean the ship has sailed for Patrick Maroon to go back to his hometown? I, I, I don't think so. I don't. It seems like it, and I know I tweeted that last week, that once they signed Perron, because I think that uh, Maroon was probably offered that same deal four years, four million, uh, but uh, Perron takes it, 
and it seems like that with uh, you know the ship sails on Maroon. But from what I'm hearing, Blues are still interested, and Pat Maroon's still interested in potentially playing back at home. The only thing is they have uh, 8.4 million uh, below the cap, and uh, they still have five restricted free agents to sign, including Robbie Fabry, including Joel Edmondson. Edmondson's going to take up about three million of that, and so I don't see uh, where they have the room right now. But Doug Armstrong said a couple of days ago. You never say never. We'd have to get creative to do something. He wasn't referring to Maroon specifically, just the big picture. Uh, but I know that they'd still like to add that grit that Mar- Maroon brings. I, I, you know what? I don't, I don't think he's going to get four times four anywhere. I, I think if yeah. I'm serious, I, I think he's going to get a. I, you know, Patrick had a tremendous year at Edmonton a couple of years ago. He wasn't. He was decent this year, but obviously the 27 goal campaign. Now he played with you know McDavid and Drysdale. That's two pretty guy, uh, pretty good guys to play with. And you can make an argument. In many ways, he was a more effective player than Milan Lucic even this past year. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But I'm not convinced that Maroon's going to get longer than a three-year term. I think there's just... Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you, Bob. I think he could have had it here in St. Louis. Wow. I think, you know, the, the, I think the conversation was, uh, you know, Prawn, Maroon, and, you know, now that Prawn signed, like I said, uh, they still have to see what they can do to fit Maroon in. But, you know, whether anybody else in the NHL would have given them four times four, I don't know, but I think that deal could have potentially been wow. done here. Okay, and, of course, Elaine Waugh, Maroon's agent, uh, who played at Harvard just after Peter Shirelli was there, uh, based in St. Louis as well. We're joined by Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic out of St. Louis. Jeremy, I'm going to ask you about a couple guys, uh, one guy that's with the Oilers and another guy who, who knows, might end up being at Edmonton. Tell me about Kyle Brodziak. Is it your belief the Blues were intrigued in bringing him back as well? Uh, really interested in bringing him back. Uh, Bob, last year he had a terrific year. Uh, Ten goals, 33 points. Wears his heart on his sleeve. Great guy in the locker room. Great leadership guy and uh, I, I i said this a number of times that after the blues traded paul stastny they went on a little bit of a run and tried to make the playoffs they ended up like i said falling a point shy but uh kyle brodziak to me was the mvp down the stretch and, and you know it's funny to say that about a fourth line center but uh, they tried a couple other guys in stastny's spot on that second line center and it didn't work out so about four games into it um, they give it to Brodziak, and he was phenomenal. He was up and down the ice playing really well. So obviously he's not going to play second-line center for anybody else. You know, that's what they didn't run him in for. Um, but whether he's on the fourth line or wherever, uh, he's terrific. Even though he's 34, I, th- I think he's, he's still got some uh, time left. And uh, the Blues were very interested in bringing him back, and I'm sure they were in the ballpark on the 1.125 um, average. But uh, it sounded, everybody I talked to said that uh, Kyle Brodziak really wanted to play in Edmonton. All right. Uh... He spent a lot of time over the last three seasons with Scotty Upshaw. Uh, and Scotty, I, I was with Scotty at uh, Jarfee Lupul's tournament when Hitch offered him the PTO uh, in late August, the one year. <laughs> I was actually sitting there uh, having a chuckle. I'm like, just go. You're Hitch's type of guy. You know, it might work out right. for you. Then last year, he went on a PTO to Vancouver, and St. Louis had some injuries, and suddenly he's back with the Blues. So I got to ask you this question Do you think he can still play? Scotty Upshaw. 
You know, I think he could play somewhere. I thought he was effective last year. Seven goals and uh, 19 points, 63 games. He had a couple injuries. I think, what was it, the spleen down the stretch? Uh, Yeah. That's what knocked him out. So, you know, I know he's getting up there, and he was known for his wheels, and I guess at some point you're going to slow down a little bit. But uh, to me, he was effective on that fourth line for what the Blues were looking for. And you mentioned Vancouver. He was there on a PTO. I don't think it was going to work out when the Blues, uh, you know, with, with Vancouver, when the Blues called him and said, hey, we'd like to have you back. That was because Robbie Fabry, uh, again, suffered the knee injury. Right. So they brought up Charlene. I thought that he was he did exactly what they hoped for. And, you know, this league's funny, but, you know, I think he's still got another year left in him if somebody's willing to give him a chance. Uh, or what's Two more questions for you, Jeremy. Where where are they at with Robbie Fabry in terms of his recovery? And what about Jake Allen? Yeah, Robbie Fabry, they said a couple of days ago, Doug Armstrong said he's fine. They said he's been cleared. He can do uh, anything any other hockey player can do. That's the exact words out of Doug Armstrong's mouth. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with his situation, uh, torn left ACL twice in seven months. He was cleared after the first surgery, cleared after five months, and uh, and in training camp last year, retore it. So he hasn't played uh, hockey in a year and a half. So it's going to be interesting to see how he looks. And then with Jake Allen, you know, I, I he's got a four point three five AAV for a couple more years, and I I think the Blues probably tried to explore a trade and just couldn't find any takers. So they're going to roll back. It looks like as of uh, right now, as we speak. Uh, with him as their number one, he's going to have to prove to them that he can get through an entire season because this is back-to-back years that he's had a meltdown in the January, you know, February uh, time frame of the schedule. Like I said earlier, they didn't score a lot of goals for him, but uh, he didn't help his case either. So uh, uh, Jake Allen, a lot to prove this upcoming season. You know, I asked you about Pareko earlier. Uh, I know that uh, Steve Eisenman, uh, very and. Uh, the general manager of the uh, uh, Blues, uh, they, they get along. You know that. Uh, and that's why part of the reason why I brought up Pareko, because somebody reached out to me last night and asked about Tampa Bay. Uh, but uh, Doug Armstrong and, and Steve Eisenman have worked together before on Team Canada and that sort of thing. Has Vince Dunn been a bit of a dis- uh, surprise uh, for the uh, Blues in terms of you know how quickly he's advanced? Yeah, yeah, big time. And I keep hearing the Pareko Tampa Bay rumors, too. I keep getting messages from the Tampa media asking if he's available. Um, but, uh, you know, just to, before uh, Vince Dunn, I just don't know who would take Pareko's spot on that right side. You're talking about 22 minutes of game, power play, and yeah. everything. So so I don't know. But in terms of Vince Dunn, yeah, you know, people told me when he played the year in the American Hockey League with the Chicago Wolves, hey, you got an NHLer coming up. He's going to be great. He's going to play 10 or 12 years or more. But uh, he came up last year, and and just a lot of poise. He gets the puck up the ice. He makes heads-up play to keep it inside the zone. He, he does a lot. He can, And for a smaller guy, he plays good in the defensive zone. So I like Vince Dunn. But in terms of, like, um, you know, because they have Vince Dunn, do they not trade Colton Preco? It's apples and oranges. You know, you're talking about a, a bigger guy, 6'5", 230 on the right side with a big shot, and you're talking about a smaller guy on the left side who, you know, gets up and down the ice and does some other things. So I'm not saying you were comparing the two. I'm just right. saying that... Uh, yeah, they got two good young guys opposite side, and I think in a perfect world for the Blues, that's a pair of Vince Dunn and Colton Pareko in the eighteen nineteen season. Where is uh, Bomi Strat right now? He's in the last year of his deal, but how's he? Because he was injured quite a bit last year. Yeah, no, he had the hip surgery. Uh, you know, they pulled the curtain on him uh, a couple months before the end of the season, and he's still rehabbing. Uh, uh, Doug Armstrong, not talking about anybody individually, but said all the injured Blues are progressing nicely. So the plan is for him to be ready. Uh, by training camp, I don't know if he'll be ready for opening night 
after that hip surgery. But, um, you know, it's he's getting up there. He's played a ton of games. He's played well. It was a long contract. You know, they extended him. He had five years left on the deal. As you mentioned, this is the, the fifth and final year. And uh, I think if they can get a healthy Bowmeister, get him in camp, see what he's got, you know, they, they like having him around and they like, you know, the experience. It's just, you know, uh, can he can he still be the Jay Bowmeister that we remember from three or four years ago? Well, that's about as comprehensive of a look we're going to get with one team, Jeremy. We appreciate your time. Believe it or not, I was getting texts from guys during the show. Ask about this guy. Ask about that guy. So <laughs> shows you the passion in uh, oil country for uh, players and other teams as well. We appreciate you uh, joining us once again on Oilers Now, Jeremy. Anytime, Bob. That is Jeremy Rutherford with The Athletic out of St. Louis. Spoiler alert, they are in the 90th minute. Harry Kane has the lone goal. England is up one nothing over uh, Columbia, and they're going to have five minutes of extra time to be still played. We'll take a quick timeout, come back with this day in Oilers history. It was significant, I will tell you that. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show Room on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, it's 153 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you. Let's get to NHL today. It is brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing, more than just sportswear. Here's Brendan Ulrich. Well, you've mentioned this already a few times. Bob and Yakubov is uh, heading to Russia. He has signed a two-year deal with SKA St. Petersburg of the KHL. The Ducks have signed Carter Rowney to a three-year deal worth $3.4 million and Brian Gibbons to a one-year deal worth $1 million. The Sharks, of course, signed Thornton yesterday, and today, or I guess late last night, they announced an extension for Thomas Hurdle. Yeah, it's a four-year contract extension worth $22.5 million. The AAV is worth $5.625 million a season. We mentioned the trade as well. Matt Martin going back to the Islanders in a trade for a prospect goaltender. There you have it. To this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. They've got river cruises in Europe for 2018. Unbelievable. Spoiler alert. Colombia has tied it in extra time against England. 93rd minute without Hamas. They tie it 1-1. Colombia and England. England's not going to tank this thing again, are they? Uh, Anyways, uh, this day in Oilers history. Here we go. July 3rd, 2006. Edmonton trades Chris Pronger to the Anaheim Ducks. For Ladislav Schmid, Joffrey Lupel, and three draft picks. One of the picks, uh, did not one of the picks turn out to be a guy by the name of Jordan Eberle? Yes, it did. Uh, remember it well. <laughs> Go look it up on Hockey's Future. Uh, this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, travel deals for weddings, honeymoons, golf packages, employee corporate reward trips. Call the friendly staff at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. They score off a corner kick. (laughs) 
93rd minute. Oh, man. Well, some might say that's poetic justice. Uh, by the way, uh, Edmonton played Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final on a Monday in Carolina. We came home on the Tuesday. On Thursday, the story broke that Chris Pronger was going to ask for a trade request. We put Al Strachan on the air. During the course of that interview, uh, Spectre and myself on the other station, I got a call from an older senior management type saying, yep, it's true. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, uh-oh. Because for two months, I ignored an email from a guy saying that Chris Pronger was going to ask for a trade out of Edmonton. Uh, that's when people still used to email the show, before they used to text the show. Lo and behold, the Oilers went off to the draft that weekend in Vancouver and discussed some possible options. Couldn't get anything to come for fruition. On June the 30th, the Edmonton Oilers, you can look it up, signed Fernando Pisani and Dwayne Rolison to contract extensions, at which time maybe, and uh, this was two years before I went to work for the Oilers doing color, uh, maybe I happened to see, get a bit of a sense of what Edmonton was looking for in terms of a potential return for Chris Pronger. Brian Burke stepped up. Pronger, of course, wanted out. The Oilers got Joffrey Lupul, who'd scored 28 goals a year before for Anaheim. Prospect defenseman Ladislav Schmid and three more picks. That was a decent return for a player who wanted out and had requested a leave. All right. Uh, there you go. Who do we got tomorrow? We got Craig Simpson, his last uh, appearance of the summer, coming up on Oilers Now. What's up tonight on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins? It's a fluid show, Bob. There we go. It's a fluid show. Well, the Eskimos are back at practice. I know that. And uh, they are prepping for who, Bob? James Franklin. So it sure. should be an exciting game on Saturday. Yeah. Eskimos have played all well over, pretty well over the years in Toronto, as I recall. They've had more challenges in Hamilton for whatever reason. Hamilton looks like they might. Who knew? Jeremiah Masoli. He's got it going on right now. Oh, that offense is lethal. There you go. All right. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll have Craig Simpson, Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, 1-1, Columbia and England. In the... Now in the 96th minute, they're likely going to go to extra time. Up next, the news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 afternoon news with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody. Offer brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.